Oh, listen, dear one, I am thrilled to announce I have a brand new private coaching container opening up called Full Immersion Coaching. This is you and me working together privately as I become your mentor and soul guide for an entire year, providing you with the full support you need to grow a massively successful and prosperous heart-led business. To get all the details, DM me on Facebook or Instagram or send an email to allison at allisonscammell.com and say, tell me more about Full Immersion Coaching. I look forward to hearing from you. Welcome to the show. This is Allison Scammell, and I absolutely love the topic of this episode and the guest. Today, I speak to coach and consultant David Lee about using the art of storytelling to make our sales conversations more fascinating, credible, and memorable. Welcome to She Grows, a podcast for soul-guided women entrepreneurs ready to grow their income, impact, and inspiration. Each week, we're going to explore how to align to the soul of your business and grow it from there. I'm your host, Allison Scammell. Let's get growing. David Lee is a coach and consultant who has been using and teaching storytelling as a therapeutic coaching and communication modality for over 25 years. His work has been published in a book for therapists and numerous business publications, and he has presented at conferences on this topic throughout the U.S. David and I end our conversation on a super fun challenge that will have you using storytelling in a way that serves your business, so be sure to stick with us until the end. Welcome, David. I'm so thrilled you're here, and I'm just so crazy excited to be exploring this topic with you. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Oh, my gosh. And I want to mention that you are a very, very special person in my life for a lot of reasons, but you have been my husband's career coach, and it's amazing. (laughs) It's so fun to work with me. Awesome guy. Oh, thank you. He calls me his wife coach. But he doesn't always take my advice. (laughs) So, so glad you came along. You're just such a gifted and amazing person. So I'm just thrilled to unpack this topic with you. So let's start out with, if you would, describe your journey to becoming a good storyteller. How has this helped you in your life and business? Yeah, it's so interesting you mentioned about he doesn't Pete doesn't always take your advice because that actually is what launched me into storytelling. So my first career out of grad school was as an addictions counselor. And I naively thought that and and actually just stop for a second that because I was low person on the totem pole at this agency, I got all the people who had to go to see a counselor or go to jail versus people who wanted to do their work. And I was under the naive impression that they would thank me for pointing out that they had a drinking or drug problem and (laughs) saving their lives. And not only did they not thank me, they just never came back. And I did what oftentimes a lot of therapists do, but also a lot of coaches, a lot of parents do, is if somebody's not listening to us, we blame the other person, like they're in denial, they can't handle the truth, et cetera. And even though I I sort of felt good about like, yeah, it's all about them, it wasn't helping me because I had my wide open schedule. And so luckily, I had heard people talking about in the agency that I worked at this this thing called neuro-linguistic programming or NLP. Have you ever heard of NLP? Yes. Um, I lived in Europe for 10 years and they use this expression all the time over there, more than in the United States. So it's very, very common in Europe. Okay. There you go. So you, so you know about that. And so they're talking about the amazing ability that clinicians using NLP had to work with people who were really resistant, intractable, et cetera. And so I happened to read a book by one of the NLP books by this author who was giving a workshop, a five-day workshop in in Florida. So I'm like, cool, sign me up. And 
I had mentioned to you before about before we went on air. I'm not real detail guy. I didn't even notice that the topic wasn't NLP, (laughs) (laughs) and so I get there, and the topic is on hypnotherapy and therapeutic storytelling, and. I was lucky enough to study under Milton Erickson, his most um, preeminent students in the area of therapeutic storytelling. So he was an absolute legend in terms of revolutionizing what hypnotherapy was about, but also being the first person to use therapeutic storytelling in a very intentional speak to the unconscious mind kind of way. And it was like, it just opened my eyes to what was possible in communication other than just confronting people with reality. And so what ended up happening in using that approach, instead instead of my, quote, good advice and insights being met with resistance and denial, People started wanting to hear what I had to say, and and I loved it that that people used to describe Erickson's approach as a therapy of politeness, because you think about it, when you tell a story, the person is just listening to a story. It's not like, you need to do this, or have you Mm -hmm. looked at this? It's like, oh, they're telling me a story about such and such. Yeah. It reminds me of what uh, Donald Miller, who is the founder of StoryBrand, and the, the StoryBrand is about using the art of storytelling to in your sales copy, you know, um, basing your whole business around a story. And what he says, which I find really fascinating, is that people only have uh, – they need to conserve energy throughout the day um, as part of our sort of innate instinctual way to survive. And so we um, we think, even though it's the 21st century, that we might need to conserve energy in case we have to confront a bear in the woods, right? That's sort of a, a primal thing that, that we humans have. And by presenting information as a story, it takes a lot of energy to consume it, to understand it. People just take it on easily. So when we are bombarded with information all day, we pick the things that we know that it won't take much energy to receive, digest, and understand. That's why people always gravitate to stories. Does that land for you? 100%. And that's actually, I know later we'll talk about sales copy, but that's one of the big reasons why you want to do story-based sales copy or story-based articles and books, because it's so much harder for the brain to process abstract concepts because, and if, if your listener Googles, uh, brain is our brains are hardwired for storytelling. You'll come across at least one article. I think there's even a book on that that you think about. Wisdom was passed on for generations through storytelling, and so that's just so much easier on the brain. Absolutely, nice. I love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So, so actually, if I can build on that, yes, because please. I, I want to make sure I'm I'm trying to both answer your question also kind of step aside for the listener to point out like the teaching of the story. So what I just did is an example of an origin story. So you asked me like how I got into this. So when people ask you like, so how did you start your business or why did, why do you do what you do? You want to have your origin story. It's also an example of what I think of as a pain and promise story. And I'm going to give you one other example of that, which you definitely want to do when you're speaking or when you're writing. And so I oftentimes, well, A, I use that story because it's the truth and it's what really launched me, but it's also for people who are coaches, therapists, or leaders, any or parents, they can relate to the pain of trying to be helpful and it's falling on deaf ears and that frustration. And so sometimes I'll tell a longer version of that to really get the person into feeling like, oh man, I know, I know what that's like. So you, you, a pain and promise story helps a person um, access their pain. Like, okay, yes, I, I don't want this pain anymore. And the promise is like, hey, this is what happens when you use the solution. Mm. So that's that. The other really seminal moment 
about what really got me into using storytelling, not just in the one-on-one, but the one-to-many. And again, I share this intentionally for listeners being able to relate that, is I saw a story keep somebody from dying on stage. Wow. (laughs) And what happened was, so I used to uh, teach in the mind-body medicine field, and I can pick, this is like over 20 years ago, It's 25 years ago now. I can still picture this huge auditorium at Hilton Head, uh, whatever the um, hotel was. And there was an icon in the mind-body medicine field up on stage. And he was the lucky guy who drew the after lunch. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. everyone was falling asleep. (laughs) Exactly. So about a thousand people in the ballroom. And he's like really passionate about his topic. It's something about the importance of of connecting with patients as a human and not as a diagnosis and blah, blah, blah. And he's like really passionate about it, but he's dying on stage and nobody cares. And I just feel the life sucking out of me. And as I'm sort of like slipping into a coma, I just sort of look around, I can see everybody else is just fading. And I don't know if he was like, oh, plan B, plan B, or he already decided this, but he shifted into telling a story. And he's like, something like, it reminds me of a time I had this patient, Barbara. And I, it was funny. I felt like being risen from the dead. I'm like, <laughs> rise up. From, and I could feel the energy, not just mine, but in the room shift because he was telling a story. And all these years later, you remember it. Like it you was remember yesterday. remember Barbara and everything. Yeah, like it was <laughs> yesterday. So two things. One is, to your point about all those years later, you remember it. Highly recommend your listeners read Made to Stick. Why? What? Some messages are sticky; they last with you forever, and others, like in one ear and out the other. Mm -hmm. And one of the six characteristics is they're delivered through stories. Because you think about when you think about presentations you've listened to over the years, you don't remember the bullet points; you remember the stories. Absolutely. Before we move on from that, that's another example of a pain and promise story. Because any, whether it's an entrepreneur or any kind of thought leader knows what it's like to be bombing on stage or like the audience isn't into this. Like, why aren't they? It's probably because they're not telling stories. Yes. Yes. So I'm just myself being called to tell a quick story when I used to work for NATO and I used to do development and humanitarian work. I got asked to deliver a presentation about civilians Um, humanitarian organizations and military working together in conflict at a group of military officers. And I was going instead of a two-star general. And they were all expecting a two-star general. And I showed up and I feel like I just bombed. That was like, and I'm a pretty good speaker. I'm good on my feet. But that was a time where I was just like, whoa, I lost my audience. They were like, who's this young woman? We're not interested. How do you think I could have pulled that around with a good how could it how could I have pulled that back? Man, so super cool. There's two things that come up for me. One is as you're saying that it reminds you of do you know who Adam Grant is? So really amazing young guy. He's now he's something like say 36 or 37. When he was in his early 30s, he was already Wharton's most uh, number one rated professor. And I actually got a chance to interview him before he became super famous, like brilliant, really cool guy. And he looks really young for his age too. And so he talks about speaking to a group of generals and he thought, I've got to show that I'm, um, uh, I really know my stuff. And he really tried to demonstrate his, his, you know, street cred and everything. And he bombed and they hated him. And he, and he realized this didn't work. So the next time when he, he walks up in front of them, he goes, uh, just want to uh, uh, point out the obvious. I am 12 years old, but I do, uh, hopefully I'll have something to, you know. So he makes a joke about, about um, like, I know I'm not what you expected and, and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And they absolutely loved him. Oh, wow. So, so number one, that's an example of using a story. I could have just said, you could make a joke and you're like, okay. But if you hear a story, it just makes it a little more interesting yeah. in the answer. The other thing you're saying that reminds me of, I was asked, well, I found out about this request 
to do a sort of like be the warm-up act for this person um, who's internationally known on storytelling for some event in Portland. And I found out about it 90 minutes before the event. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the only reason why I was able to say yes is I was able to identify like three or four stories I could tell that would that would resonate with the audience. And I just strung them together. So let's say in that situation, I would definitely acknowledge, you might have noticed I'm not the stu- you know, two-star, you right, know, something like that. Right. And you know what I would do? I would tell a self-effacing story with a twist. Mm. And, and I'll give you, uh, I won't tell you the whole story because I know we've got a lot to, uh, ahead of us. But sometimes what I will do Oftentimes, more if it's in the state of Maine and people might think, oh, this is, you know, David Lee from down the road, you know, he's just a local boy kind of thing. I will share a a story about, I'll just give you the takeaway message. I did a keynote in Australia several years ago, and without knowing it, I was blowing my nose in the bathroom and I had my wireless mic on and it was broadcast throughout the audience. <laughs> yeah. So there's a whole story to that. And, and sometimes I will lead off a talk with that as a self-effacing story, but also lets them know I'm not from just around the corner. Like yeah, I've been around. I've been I've, there. Yeah. So I, that might be something. That's interesting yeah. because I I was, you know, a young woman and I had served in Iraq and Afghanistan and Sudan and I my boots were dirty and probably had more experience in conflict environments than a lot of the military people in the audience. So that could have been I could have told a story not braggy as you're suggesting. You don't want to be like, "Hey, I know everything," right? So the self-effacing, I yeah. love that. Yeah. That could have been a way to get their attention and also say, hey, I've got something to offer here that might be useful for you. Pay attention to me. <laughs> got it. Absolutely. All right. Well, I love where we're going with this. So can you tell us the components of a good story? You know, I was when people ask me that, it's such a obviously important question. And it's funny, after all these years, I still struggle with it because it's it's um for me it's more intuitive but here's here's what i what i come up with that one of the analogies that i like to give people is to think of if they've never listened to a sports announcer announce um some uh sporting event over the radio they can at least imagine what that's like and you think about let's say it's a hockey game so if it's a hockey announcer uh, announcing the hockey game, they can't say, "Well, that was just amazing what what Joe Schmo did," and then and then Bill, oh yeah, he did that was really good. That was amazing save. Do you know that just saying that sort of again abstract concept of what's going on? You're like, I have no idea what's going on. They describe, they paint a picture in your mind of what's going on. So it's almost like they're creating virtual reality movie. Mm-hmm. That's what you want to do. You want to give that kind of detail so the person can create it an, um, like a movie, a running movie in their head. Mm-hmm. That being said, not not irrelevant detail. You know, like oftentimes couples, like like one partner will start telling a story and the other one's like, it doesn't matter whether it was on Thursday or Saturday, Bob, you know, not like, so thinking about what kind of detail paints the picture, what kind of detail is not necessary. So that's a huge point. Another is, and, and I can, I can see where this is where you're really good at it is really embody the story. So get into it, have energy for it, because as you know, a lot of your communication, the power of it is in the energy, the, the, the nonverbal. It's not just the words, it's your, your broadcasting. Yeah, yeah. So that's really big. A couple of other points are thinking of stories that are more like drama movies than documentaries. So there's drama, there's conflict, there's surprise, there's mystery, there's fascination. And later when we, we're going to talk more about like where do you find stories and that sort of thing, I'll, I'll talk more about fascination. And I, I guess the, the other sort of simple uh, recommendation I have for people 
is just pay attention when people tell you stories to notice what storytellers capture your attention and others are kind of boring and like, okay, what's the difference here? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that. So how about some storytelling no-nos? What are some <laughs> things we should avoid if we're going to incorporate storytelling in our and whatever. Yeah. So a big one that I found over the years with people is whether you you use the metaphor of they're talking about it at 30,000 feet or the metaphor they just give you the executive summary or the metaphor of the cliff notes. Big mistake. So let me give you an example. Actually, this came to me this morning. I thought, oh, this might be, hopefully it'll be a fun way of explaining it. So imagine uh, a little child going to their dad and saying, um, Daddy, can you tell me a story? And the father goes, oh, sure. I'll tell you the story of the three little pigs. And and the father goes, so there are three pigs. Um, they built houses of different um, strength and integrity. Um, two were slackers, and their, their houses got blown over by a wolf. One, the industrious one, the slackers got to live with the industrious one, saved their lives, so don't be a slacker. And, <laughs> and then the kid's, the kid's like, okay, Dad, hey, Mommy, can you tell me a story? So that's, you know, that's like an overview. It's not a story. Right, The right. story's like you're there. So, for example, the guy dying on stage— Hopefully, as you heard that, it's like you can imagine being there. Yeah, I've been there. Okay. And I was immediately transplanted to when I was bombing on stage when you told the story, exactly. right? Exactly. And that uh, I'm, I love that you said that because that's one of the most important reasons for using stories. I, I remember Milton Eric, back to Milton Erickson, Dr. Milton Erickson, he said, if you want somebody to remember their childhood, tell stories about your childhood. It's the way the brain, it's human nature. It's the way the brain works. The only way we can understand what people are saying is if we connect our own experiences with that. So by you sharing a story, it helps the other person retrieve their own examples. Actually, can I give you an example of that? Please. Is there, what would be an example in your life where you're thinking either I didn't think I could do it and I did it, or you look back and say, man, if I could do that, I can face whatever this challenge is. Quitting a gold-plated job that nobody quits to launch a business. And I I did something that no one else does. And in fact, nobody nobody quit the job I was at. The HR people didn't know what to do. They only knew how to handle retirement paperwork. They didn't know how to handle resignation paperwork. And I did it. And everybody said, you're you're making a huge mistake, Allison. People don't leave these gold-plated jobs. You're going to be a what? A life coach? What is that? That's hokey. And I did it. And I'm pretty successful at it now. Awesome. Yeah. So let's say if let's say if I were being your quote story coach, I'd yes. say like, oh man, this is the foundation of an awesome story, of an awesome origin story. And a if I could do that, you could do this story. So I'm just gonna say a few things and then how people would use this sort of thing. So if I were coaching you on this, I would ask you a series of questions for you to walk through your process and not necessarily, although this would be part of it, your process in the outside world. Like I talked to five life coaches and that, not that sort of thing, but more your internal world. Like I found myself thinking, what about if I go for it and a year later, I have one client and I have to face my family or the people who said you were nuts to do, be a life coach, what, you know, whatever it was. And, and as you came up or come up with your in your fear like putting words to your fears the the what i call like the stephen king horror film festival <laughs> of all the you know vi, you yeah. know movies of what can happen and then in context let's say you're coaching somebody who's afraid to make the leap as you share your story with them what happens with them is not only do, does it shift their physiology. So let, let me say, let's say you're working with somebody who 
um, is afraid to leave corporate and and you're you see possibility for them but they they don't and they're like all slumped down in the physiology of, of hopelessness and disempowerment you tell that story as you tell your story they're not feeling like oh Allison's trying to convince me I can they're like wow Allison is sharing her story mm. so there's no like oh you don't understand yeah. sister you know you don't know right, say right. and so as you tell your story and you shift from the like the scared Allison to the like I'm going to do this Allison mm. there's that feedback loop of energy and as the as your coachee is listening they're shifting state and as you're talking about first like the I can't do it stuff they're like oh man I know that I know that it's tapping into theirs and then as you shift into the, like I can do this that shifts them into memories whether it's consciously or unconsciously of when they had that I can do this state and now that they're in that empowered state you think about it they they can start think, seeing opportunities that they couldn't when they were in that disempowered state. Mm. Does that make sense? Oh my gosh, it does. It's so beautiful, so good. Yeah. And you're not, you know, as a coach, I'm, I always say I never give advice. You know, when I have my coach hat on, if I have my mentor hat on, I might give a bit of advice. But as a coach, I never do. And this is just a way to to create these powerful shifts and open up these possibilities without giving advice. Absolutely. Because nobody knows what's better for themselves than themselves, right? Mm, got it. Absolutely. <laughs> that is so beautiful. So let's pivot to um, how we can use good storytelling in our businesses to grow our businesses. Absolutely. So I'll start off with speaking and then go to writing. So one of the things always recommend people doing. So let's say it's a person gets like five minutes to like sponsored event to talk about their business. Don't talk about your business in terms of like, I do blah, blah, blah. Tell a story about somebody you've helped and, and doing that pain and promise story. And so emphasize the pain. So people are like, oh yeah, I know what that's like. And then share the promise. Like, here's what happened when I work with them. And they're like, I want some of that. Number one. Number two, when you're speaking, I encourage people to, whenever they make a point, especially if it seems, um, well, by nature, quote, making a point is conceptual and abstract, is say, for instance, and then give a for instance or for example, and then either give a short example or or an actual short story. So those are two, when you're speaking, really must-dos. Can I interject please, with a question? Please. So, you know, I run a lot of group classes, and I like to give examples through stories from my life. But then I have the thought, oh, I'm spending too much time talking about myself. How can you mitigate that? feeling or is it, uh, what do you, any yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah, I love that. So here's what I do. I will sometimes just be very explicit with people. I will say, I'm sharing, I'm sharing this story with you, not because I need to tell it, because I want you to be thinking about your own example of this. Uh, another example is some, um, I do a lot of programs on how do you have courageous conversations. And I'll say, I'm going to be sharing with you what what went on in my head because I want you to be thinking about what goes on inside your head when um, you're dreading having this conversation or you're holding a resentment about somebody. So for some people in some context, I just straight up say, this is why I tell you that, why I'm sharing you stories. And I also will say, um, as I'm sure you know, um, that uh, we're much more likely to remember stories than than you know, bullet points. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Very good. Um, oh, okay. So more in, in business. Highly recommend using pain stories and pain and promise stories in your writing. So I'll give you a writing version I'm, or a, like a informational writing version and then a sales copy version. So I do um, a lot of the work that I do is more in the corporate environment. And so an example of doing a story-based article, and, and actually just a, a quick FYI, I'm going to put together a resource page for your listeners 
um, on one of my websites, and I'll have examples of all of this, including oh, video, audio. That's great. That. Yeah. So Thank you so can, much. Yeah, definitely. They can build on it. So um, this article was, the title was, How an Employer Lost an A-List Player and How You Can Avoid Doing the Same. So nice. Yeah, nice title. And yeah. then it starts off with a story about this amazing young woman that I met at a conference. And when I, and, and she was so impressive. I reached out to her a year later just to see how she was doing. And she loved her job at the time. I, I spoke at, a, at this conference. She was in the audience, had great input. And she was no longer working there. I'm like, wow, do tell, because she loved her job at the time. And she told me what this company did that made her go from, I love my job to, I'm out of here. And so you think about how um, for employers, losing talent is a huge issue that if I just did this academic-y kind of writing, the reader would disappear in, in moments. But if there's a story, they're like, oh my God, I don't want that to happen to Sally and Bill and, and Trevor Okay. Like let I gotta read on. So pain, um, so that was a pain story in a in an educational piece. There's a I don't know if you know Bill Barron, he's a coach. He's more of a business uh, well, not more of he's a business coach. And I remember reading this was an e uh uh, that he did. I thought, man, you're good. Cause he, he said he was at a party and there was a lady there at the party that he remembered who had talked with him about being a coaching client seven years before. And he said, I was early on at something like, I'm, you know, it's so long. I don't remember the details, but I'm going to riff on it. Okay. And, and he said like, um, at the time I was afraid of being really pushy. And so I didn't challenge her excuses for why she wasn't ready to do this. And as I'm at the party and I'm listening to her, she's stuck in the same job, having the same problems, feeling the same despair. And I'm thinking, what would have happened if I had been more bold in offering her help? Is that damn good or what? Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Is that good? Yeah. So that's a great, I mean, think about coaches who are like, I want to know what he knows. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yep. So that's um, that's an example of a pain story that that would hit like any coach. How would you approach storytelling in say a sales conversation? Actually, the same tools. Let me give you an example using a story of of that. So this is this is kind of a sad story. So uh, this uh, man reached out to me to do some networking. Like, sure, cool. He was just starting a, a consulting business on like safety, safety issues in, in manufacturing environments. So we sit down and I thought this was going to be a conversation. Well, he whips open his laptop and proceeds to do a PowerPoint presentation on his new business. And even like take, you know, put aside the fact that this wasn't like what I imagine. Let's say it was a, a legit sales call and I knew like he wanted to offer his solution. I'm thinking, oh my God, because what he, what he was doing was like giving the history of accidents and injuries and statistics and all this stuff that I could care less about and all this like me, me, me stuff that like, you know, I'm happy for you, but like, I'm more like, you know, the saying WIIFM, what's in it for me? There was no what's in it for the listener. And I was so moved by that, how horrible it was. I actually wrote an article and it was titled something like How Not to Bore People in Your Sales Presentation. A day I published it on LinkedIn and later at a venture capital firm's website. Well, after my LinkedIn post, I get an email from him. Ooh. Oops. <laughs> Snap. 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 Yeah. <laughs> and thank God I wasn't catty or snarky about it. I was very yeah. I was very candid, but I, I I you know didn't do any digs, but he said, like, I'm really sorry I bored you. I'm like, oh my God. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, um, you know, hopefully you got it in the spirit that it was it wasn't like being mean and and I'm happy to like like pro bono like work with you, like free session, like how you can change this. 
So that's an example of pain, a pain story. Yeah. And the promise, well, that's like a would have been promise if we would work together. For him, what I would have suggested is come out like guns a blazing with a like a let's say a story where somebody got severely injured or like killed on the job, and it all could have been prevented if such and such had happened. And even if I'm not in the safety and uh, loss prevention risk management field, I'm like, yo, tell me more. So start out with a bang that captures the interest of the listener and taking it outside of me, 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 and think about, you know that saying in advertising, enter the conversation that's going on in your your customer's mind. Mm -hmm. Think about what are the things that are most troubling to your would-be client or customer and tell a story that resonates with them. Nice. So a lot of my clients don't like to have sales conversations because they're just, they're, they're holding back. They're scared. They feel like people are so sick of getting pitched all the time and social media news feeds are just full of offers and they don't want to contribute to the noise. And so they don't have the sales conversation. Therefore, they don't offer up their services and a lot of uh, amazing opportunities get lost because they didn't just say, hey, if you're interested in this, you can go deeper with me and I offer this thing that could possibly help you. So how can storytelling um, in a sales conversation help people who feel hesitant to have the sales conversation because they don't want to come across as salesy? Yeah. So here's here's how I think of it. It's um, And first off, my sense is probably your ideal client is very mission driven and service driven. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I say soul guided. Yes, which I love. Oh, yay. I lo- <laughs> yes, I love that. Yeah. So here's the way I think about it. You know the term edutainment? So it's education. No, but I like yeah, it. is that great? <laughs> yeah. So it's like education that's entertaining. Yeah. Especially in it's always been the case, the more entertaining, the more people care about the education. In today's world, it's a must-have. It must be entertaining. And so what I think of as I think of for anybody, even if they're even um soul-based, heart-centered, mission-driven. It's just smart. It's just wise to think about what are some of the most useful stories I can share that people would find fun to listen to, and it also offers value. Mm, I love that. Yeah. So even if even if they don't buy a thing from me, they'll walk away with value. That's so good. Yeah. Because then the next time they meet me, they might want to buy it from me. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So good. And so and good. I, I that's the same thing in networking with people. It's like don't be thinking about like oh I have to be the like this schmoozy slimy like hey let me tell you what I'm about kind of yeah. thing. It's like no, just come up with some of your coolest stories that relate to the um the people that you want to serve. Yeah. Like, so for instance, um, I know we talked off air about you've got some amazing stories. Do you want to do one and then we can play with it? Yeah, I would love it. Yeah. I'd be honored. So we, yeah, you, uh, I had identified a story that maybe I could mention to you and you could kind of coach me through how I could share it with my audience. I don't know. It just, it just came to me intuitively. Like this is the story that wants to be looked at. And again, I used to work in development and humanitarian affairs for 17 years. And I lived in conflict zones and uh, for a number of those years. And I spent a year in Iraq. In the early days of the of the latest conflict from 2003, 2004. And at one point, I got asked um, kind of randomly, it was not a it was not part of my normal role to participate on the advance team of the ambassador, the U.S. ambassador to Iraq, who was going up to the north part of the country to do some site visits. 
and uh, doing a trip for an ambassador in a super active war zone is no small feat. There's his, obviously, first and foremost, is his safety, his or her safety and security, right? And then it's just getting him to the right people and really giving him an agenda that is really valuable and impactful and worth the ambassador taking a whole day to go on a site visit somewhere. And so I got asked to be on his advanced team to go a couple days early and get everything set. And when I arrived to this advanced team, it was me and about 11 Navy SEALs. And I was like, okay, I've never served in the military. I've always been a civilian. I don't have any of that kind of training. And then they said, all right, um, our transportation is going to be here in about 30 minutes. And I was like, okay. I wasn't sure like if we were going by ground, like how are we going to get up to the northern part of the country? It was a time in the conflict where it was really, really volatile. And you, and it was just a really dangerous time to be traveling by road and out and about. So all of a sudden, I see on the horizon about six Black Hawk helicopters coming my way. And I was standing on a helicopter pad, and I was like, wow, my transportation has just arrived. And it was this moment, David, where I just said to myself so profoundly, how did I get here in life? How did I arrive here? I am terrified I'm with 11 Navy SEALs who are super trained, and they were all super excited to get on these Blackhawks and go. And I was just such the fish out of water. Like, I I don't belong here. How did I get here? I want to run screaming home, but I can't. I'm stuck. I can't leave. Um, That's how I felt. I suppose I could have, but the, the, the thought that I had at the time is that the only choice I had was to get on the helicopter and go. So this is a great example. When people people ask, like, wh- like, where do I find stories to tell? Very few listeners will have something that's like, whoa, is that? But the takeaway is the same. To reflect on experiences you've had in life that are very memorable, and then you can figure out later how you want to use the story. But think about anything that stands out for you. And then also, even more importantly, moving forward, any sort of situation that happens even throughout the day that's not as big as that, that you're like, whoa, that was wild, or wow, that took me off guard or caught me off guard. Note to self, there's a story there. So in that, so that's a great example of you don't have, to, um, the starting point is like something that had an impact on you. So when you're saying like, how did I get here to this terrifying place? Can you say a little more about more about what that meant to you? Like, how did I get here and I don't want to get on the helicopter? Yeah, it was just like, how did I make a series of decisions that got me here? Like, I just couldn't, like, could I go back in time and say, you know, no, I'm not going to go to Iraq or no, I won't be on the advance team or no, I won't do humanitarian assistance and war zones. Like where could I have gone back in my life and said no, that would have gotten me someplace safer. It was really a profound, a profound question. How did I get here? Like, how did I keep saying yes to get me here? Yeah. Man. Okay. So this is a great example. If you can use the same story for multiple purposes. So let's let's say you're working with somebody who you can see they're on a very bad trajectory. And you know if you challenge them directly, they're just gonna, you know, get defensive. You could tell that story up to this point, the point that you shared it. And that would be a great way to get the person to be thinking about where the sum total of our our choices, our decisions. Yeah. Now, if I let's say if I were if I were you and I and I was telling that situation, that story for this, for that purpose, I might, I would then link that really 
whoa, dramatic story of a decision tree to a more prosaic one that that person might relate to. And so, so I'll be you. Okay. For a second. So, so I'm, I'm thinking back like as these um, straight out of apocalypse. Now these black Hawk, uh, black Hawks are settling down and the sound of the, 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 the yeah, rotors, the wind, are, the wind. I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like this, these thoughts are racing through my mind. How did I get here? And you know, they, they say how like people say uh, they're about to die or think they're going to die and their life flashes before their eyes. That's kind of what was happening to this, this rapid sense of, of the different decisions, the yeses I made that got me here versus someplace safer. And when they asked me if I was up for doing X and I said yes, because I didn't want to seem like I wasn't a go-getter. I was, I was trying to put on um, like, like a strong um, high initiative persona. I mean, that's who I am, but I, I really wanted to impress upon them and because I was more concerned about what they thought than me, than what I thought, I said yes. When looking back, I'm on the tarmac like, damn, I should have said no. And there were a bunch of steps along the way. And, and you know, even though that's an extreme example, I know there are example, there's things in all of our lives less extreme. Like, for instance, and, and this actually comes from uh, Ericksonian hypnotherapy, where um, he called it truisms, when we... We use a line that helps connect people to universal experiences. So, like, who hasn't had the experience of getting warning signs in a relationship mm. where, ooh, this person isn't a really good match for me, but mm-hmm. we ignore them, yep. and then months turn into, et cetera, et cetera. See where right. I'm going yep, with that? Yep, yep. So that would be that would be an awesome, like, super powerful story for that. Now, what happened when you got on the helicopter? Like, what happened next? So I get on and and then it kind of I I got on I absolutely I was terrified I was shaking and I couldn't um the the seat belts on a Blackhawk are very complicated. They're like a four-way seat belt with lots of different buckles cuz you know obviously you want to be very well belted in and I couldn't <laughs> figure it out. And I realized that the guys were sort of fighting over who got to help me put my <laughs> my my um my seatbelt on. Yes, I was a young woman, but I also realized immediately that I, in that moment, was the VIP. I was the person that they were all thinking, we're going to keep her safe. Ooh. Yeah, because that's how they're trained. They're trained in keeping people safe. Um, and I was the one who, I was the VIP. I was the very important person. Um, and that was something super cool. I was so touched. I'm like, they are all here to protect me and keep me alive and take a bullet for me. And it was just, it was beyond touching. It was moving that mm. I knew, I knew that they would do that. I knew that they would take the bullet for me. And that's not figuratively, that's literally. Literally. Yeah, absolutely. So, so awesome. So let me, oh, this is so <laughs> awesome. So two things come to mind. So one is that would be a great, like telling up to that part of the story, a great um, metaphor for really gifted soul-based entrepreneurs who are like, who am I, um, you know, to toot my horn, uh, especially, um, let's say, I've got something Let's say there's some like quote super successful entrepreneur that they know they have something that would help that person, but that person's in the external world way more quote successful than them. Like, who am I to say I've got something that could help them? You telling that story, you see the reframe, it like totally shifts the perspective. Mm. And you can better believe they will never forget that story. Yeah, I love that. So, and the other point that, again, with your audience, this I'd see this is totally um, appropriate. Whatever is talking about uh, helpers, seen and unseen. Like you were going into this scary, unknown, uncharted territory, and you were protected. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. About as protected as a person can I get know, with eleven Navy SEALs. I know. That's great. <laughs> Well, and then I love how you were talking 
unpacking that sort of series of decisions. And I think I did say yes a few times because I wanted to be that go-getter, just as you were suggesting earlier, and you were just sort of kind of riffing, but it was true. That's why I kept saying yes. So then to sort of take that storyline to the next step, um, once we started going, I was like, this is awesome. I was like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest. It's like the most fun roller coaster ride I've ever been on in my life. And thank God I said yes, right? Awesome. Yes, yes. Fantastic. So going to that point, then it's a whole different message. Awesome message, including, so just a nuance, and I, I know we need to be wrapping up soon, is... You know that saying when people look at their life and like, oh God, I made a bunch of bad decisions here in that when different coaches will say, um, you know, nothing you did is like wrong. Like all those dumb decisions and all the great ones have come together to make who you are in this moment. And so let's say you wanted to make that point. You could even share about the, like I was trying to impress them, bad decision, and you can make it, you can emphasize that to make it sound like you're going in the direction of, big mistake, mm. blah, blah, blah. And then when you, and just the way you said it, it was awesome. And then the person's like, oh, oh, it was a good thing. It was, yeah. a, you know, that shift yeah. makes it so much more impactful and memorable. And then from there, like if you were using that story in a coaching, the, the listener is like, oh, wow, yeah. And then let's say, let's look at some of those decisions you've made and how it's put you poised on the edge of awesome. Like for instance, Ooh, yeah. poised on the edge of awesome. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. That is so <laughs> fabulous. And I just, it, I'm so glad I brought this story up. And I'm glad you said, David, they don't always have to be big. This was one of the biggest stories of my life. Okay. So, but I love, I feel like you get just as much from the subtle everyday stories. Right. Thank you for saying that because that is a point that I wanted to remember to make and I was going to forget it. So I remember years ago listening to David White, the poet, and he has these epic stories of like mountain climbing in Bhutan and stuff like that. (laughs) And like, I can't match that. Like my life's pretty mundane. Can't can't relate to it. Yeah. Yeah. So you do, um, especially if you've had a pretty epic life, you want to add the more quote mundane everyday sort of stories. And One of the things that I've found over the years, some of the most powerful stories are the simple little nuanced ones Mm -hmm. that you could forget within an hour, which is why I always try to like just scribble down or you can do it in your phone or whatever, those little magic moments and and put them in a, I do a story table in, in the resource page, I'll show how to do that. So I can recall it later and then think about how could I use this as a teaching story? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so good. And the other point I just wanted to make about that story in Iraq is just, I always knew it was a great story, but I never really knew where, where, where to go with it and what to do with it. And you just gave me like six things, but when I really unpack it, I think I could come up with 25 things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And 100%. And I can, I, I'm thinking of two friends in particular, friends and colleagues, who both, ne- ne- uh, but neither of them thought of themselves as storytellers. And it was only through our conversation, like, oh my God, that is awesome story. And I remember one in particular friend, like, really? Like, how? And then I'd share, like, how, this is why, and this is how you could use it. And it's like, I never realized that. That's so awesome. So, and actually, I share that not to say, like, isn't that cool that I noticed that, but for people, for your listeners to recognize, you already have amazing stories. You just don't know yet how to use them. Yes. That's the takeaway. Perfect. So, David, what are some tips that the listeners can take away to start using storytelling more thoughtfully in their businesses? So, number one, Pay attention for stories. Anything that surprises you or you think is interesting, write them down. 
and just right enough so you could look at it a year later and like, oh, that was the time when. And I do a two a two column table. Uh, the right column is enough narrative, and then the left column is just searchable keywords like new perspective, courageous conversation, going for it, like whatever is relevant to that person. So that's number one. And I guess maybe maybe I'm, I'm uh, whatever. I won't qualify it. Being more mindful and present in each moment. And so a simple little example was this morning when we were on the phone, when something happened twice with our phones where I couldn't hear you, but you could hear me. Yeah. Like, David, David, where did you go? (laughs) And I'm like, can you hear me? Can you hear me? And you can, but I can't hear you saying you can hear me. And so I was thinking, oh, that was kind of interesting. And I'm still thinking about how I could use that as a quick little metaphor or analogy. But like one simple one that came to mind is, what a great example uh, or simple analogy. Like we think we're communicating to our partner or to our client, and they're not hearing us. Yeah, <laughs> you know something. So, so um, being aware of the potential of of little stories in everyday life. And if if I could, let me give you a quick example. Do I have time? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll make I'll do a short version. A friend of mine was at a conference, and at the end of the day, she was worn out, and she goes to use one of those electronic keys into her room and just wants to be left alone, recuperate, et cetera. And she puts it in and she wiggles on the doorknob and it's not opening. And you've probably had times where they didn't magnetize it right, whatever. Technology's not perfect. So she does it a few more times and she's just feeling frustrated and hassled. It's like, I just want to go in, flop down on the bed. And it's kind of like, when life doesn't give us what we want and we feeling kind of put upon and picked on and beleaguered. And she's like in that mode. And then she just takes a deep breath, steps back and she looks up and she realizes that she's at the wrong door. And when she goes to the right door, amazingly enough, the door opens. opens. And when she told me that, I thought, ha ha, you know, funny. I know I've done that too. But later I thought, what a perfect metaphor for life. Yeah. That we're forcing our way through a door like this is the career for me. This is the business. This is the whatever. And we're not pausing, taking a deep breath and letting life speak to us because maybe the door's not opening because it's not the right door. It's the wrong number. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Okay. So David, I like to always put my guests on the spot um, at the end of our talk and ask you to leave our listeners with a challenge. All right. I'll do a um, sort of like a, a three-part challenge. Number one is to challenge any limiting beliefs you have that you don't know how to do this because you've been telling stories all your life. You just maybe don't think of it that way. So that's number one. Number two, write down the stories, curate them. I tell you, I've been doing this for 30 years now and I'll, let's say I'm doing a talk. I'm like, oh my God, I forgot about this story. But I look at my, when I look at my story table, write it down. And I guess the third, I've sort of already said, but it's so important is look for, okay, I'll turn this into a challenge. How about if you can find before the end of the day, or if you listen to this at the end of the day, before the end of tomorrow, at least one little nuanced experience that you think that was interesting or surprising or funny. And then just note that. And then after you've picked one, say, how could I use this as a teaching story? I love that. That is so good. And it's such a fun and easy way to get content. If you're someone who does a weekly blog post or podcast, and sometimes you're like, oh, my idea well is dry. Just that, like, just keep collecting these ideas. And it's, it's so, so good. Oh my gosh, I have learned so much from this episode. This has been so much fun. I'm so grateful. You were so generous with your sharing today, David. I I know that people listening are going to want to get to know you, find you, subscribe to your stuff. Can you tell listeners how they can find you? Absolutely. And thank you for having me. This has been super fun. Yeah. So um, you can uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, David Lee. I've got several different websites. The one for storytelling uh, is storiesthatchange.com. And I know you do show notes, and I'll do this, yep. the backslash it's, Allison resource page. It'll all be in the show notes, too. Yeah. And also, I'll put two books I highly recommend. One is Business Storytelling for Dummies. We'll put that in. And then, actually, 
uh, even though I'm not a big fan of the Dummies title and Dummies series, I know the author and it's a brilliant, she's brilliant on storytelling and it's a brilliant book. And also to give a great example of using stories in writing and marketing and selling, I actually, a friend and colleague of mine, coachbrew.com is a great example of using stories in sales copy and his book Stadium Status is a great example of story-based writing. Nice. So those are some resources I'll, I'll share with your your listeners. Oh, that's so yeah. generous. Thank you so much. Well, again, this has just been a blast. I've learned yes. so much. Like I can't <laughs> think of an episode, an interview where I've learned so much and I'm so excited to implement all of this. Um, I made the... The, I set the intention early in the year that I was going to not only get better at writing sales copy, that I was going to find a way to love it. And I realized that I loved sales copy through storytelling. And you've just given me like a million ways to love writing sales copy more. Neat. So thank you so much. Really, David, I'm so grateful. And I'd love to have you back again. I'd love that. Thank you very much. That was just such an inspiring conversation. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you're digging on this content like I hope you are, I would be super grateful if you hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening. And I have a question now for you. Are you ready to grow your business with both magic and predictability? Then head to my website right now, alisonscammell.com, to download my three free soul-guided meditations to get a clear vision of growth for six months' time and where to place your focus today to take you there. Again, that's alisonscammell.com, and you can find a link in the show notes. And as always, let's grow there together. Mm-hmm.